Om Jnana Timirandhasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Chakshura Militangena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Mukhaṃ karoti vācalaṃ pangum laṅkāya te girim jatkripā tamahaṃ bandhe śrī gurūṃ dīnatāranaṃ śrī caitanya mano bhishtaṃ sthāpitaṃ yena bhūtale svāyaṃ rūpakadāmahyaṃ dadāti svapadāntikaṃ pancha kalpa tarubhyas chakrapā sindho bhyavacha Patitanam Pavane Bio Vaishnave Bio Namo Namaha. Well, I um, apologize for my absence last week. Um, I have a strange brain, and every once in a while it attacks me. So um, that was the case last week. And, um, I'm wasn't able to, to join you all. So <clears throat> what I wanted to do this month was look at some of the impediments um, to our appreciating the gift of the holy name. Um, so these are the offenses. And because Guru Nishta Prabhu is um, discussing Hari Nama Chintamani, I don't want to try to duplicate that, although there will be um, undoubtedly some overlap. What I want to do is focus, since I have three weeks, I want to focus on just three um, of uh, the offenses that I think are particularly relevant to us. I don't know how many of us um, have a background of equating uh, the devatas uh, with, you know, with Krishna, the supreme personality of Godhead, um, or or some of the other offenses. But I thought there might be three offenses that um, modern uh, devotees, um, non-Indian devotees, uh, might actually have to deal with. Um, first is um, Sadhuninda offending um, the devotees, and then um, Gururavagya um, neglecting the instructions of the spiritual master, and then um, the seventh offense um, committing uh, sinful activities on the strength of chanting the holy name um, might be. Um, a little foreign to some of us, but it also might be something that um, could be familiar. So um, I wanted to focus on those three things over the next um, over the next three weeks. So um, today I, I want to talk about Sadhu Ninda, but before that, I, I want to uh, kind of set up some. Um, background um, in discussing Nama Paradha. So there one of the um, one of the Angas, one of the uh, uh, second of the uh, well uh, of the um, 64 main Angas of Vaidhisadana Bhakti that are dis uh, dis uh, discussed in the second chapter of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. 
and over several chapters in Srila Prabhupada's Nectar of Devotion. Uh, we know that the first 20, 10 uh, viti and 10 nishetas, um, 10, we can think of them as do's and don'ts, 10 in things to follow and 10 things to avoid. Um, among the uh, second group, the nishetas, is avoiding offenses in um, enchanting the holy name. And in the commentaries, there are, um, I think we have three lists of offenses, um, two lists of, of seva aparads and the list of 10 offenses against the holy name. So I think it's Jiva Goswami makes the point quite clearly that, um, listen, there are so many offenses that can be uh, committed when we're engaged in archimen, when we're engaged in um, uh, deity seva. Um, and so that could be an, an impediment that could slow us down. But he says, um, and, and then he says, there are so many, and some of them are things that we just honestly really can't avoid. And um, so he says, he just admits, we're going to commit seva aparat. It, it's, you know, it's just going to happen. Um, as hard as we may try to avoid seva aparat, um, we will commit seva aparat, but we always have the shelter of the holy name. Even if we commit seva aparat, the holy name can save us. Um, and we see um, verses to the effect that you know, Krishna can excuse millions of offenses um, for someone who uh, is engaged in, in always chanting the holy name of the Lord. But then he says, what if we commit offense against the holy name? Then what shelter do we have? If we, if we always have the holy name to protect us from other kinds of offenses that we can, may commit, what if we commit offenses against the holy name? That would be a terrible problem. That would be a really big problem. So then um, um, you know, we have this warning um, against these offenses. We see this in uh, Srila Jiva Goswami's Bhakti Sandarbha. Um, So we have these um, 10 offenses, criticizing devotees, considering um, the names and attributes of Shiva, Brahma, and other devatas to be independent of or equal to those of Vishnu, um, disrespecting the guru, blaspheme the Vedic blaspheming Vedic literature, uh, considering scriptural praises of the name, as some kind of exa exaggeration, uh, giving our own um, imaginary meaning to the chanting of the holy name, committing um, sins on the strength of chanting the holy name, um, thinking that the holy name is the same as other kinds of auspicious um, activities that are recommended in the scriptures, um, instructing the glories of the holy name to those who have no faith, and um, 
in spite of having heard um, about the glories of the holy name, thinking, um, maintaining our attachment uh, to this material world, uh, deliberately maintaining our attachment to this material world. So we have these um, 10 offenses to take into consideration, to always be on the lookout for. And sometimes we'll see uh, among devotees in, uh, in the morning, um, as part of their sadhana, the devotees may recite um, these 10 offenses, either individually or as a group. Um, and uh, you know, I've seen that done um, in many places. And here um, at the Honolulu um, ISKCON Center, where I'm staying and, and serving right now, um, I thought, okay, it's nice that we go through these 10 offenses every morning, remind ourselves, but are we actually listening or are we just kind of reciting them mechanically? Maybe it would be a good idea if we actually uh, carefully considered these offenses by hearing from Harinama Chintamani. So for the last, I don't know, year and a half, maybe two years, um, we've been reading a little bit from Harinama Chintamani every day. So, um, and, and, you know, as far as I'm concerned, we could go back to ch chanting the list for a while, but the devotees like this program. So uh, we continue to do that. So we hear um, that among these offenses, the first is sadhu ninda, um, criticizing, blaspheming um, the sadhus, the devotees who, um, as Srila Prabhupada likes to put it, have dedicated their um, lives um, to uh, spreading the uh, nama mahatmya, the, the glories of the holy name. And um, so if, if it's sadhu ninda, there are two things to, conser, uh, to um, consider here. Sometimes we see it as sadhu ninda and sometimes as satam nidha. Satam will make us think of the second verse of Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, where we hear, among other things, uh, we, well, we hear what the Bhagavatam is about, but we also hear who is the probably the most suitable audience, and that is those who are satam, those who are pure in heart, uh, because they don't have any uh, personal consideration. Uh, they've dharma prochita kartavatro paramo niramat sanaram satam praudchita. They've completely given up all kinds of self-interest, um, and because of that. Um, they uh, have completely rejected all kinds of cheating dharma, any kind of self-interested sense of what dharma means. Um, so who, who are the satam? Who are the sadhus? And so we'll see um, in the 11th canto, a list of um, characteristics of the sadhu that Krishna shares with his friend, and advisor Uddhava. So um, there are 26 of these, and I thought it would be not a bad idea to remind ourselves of these. So the first is Doyalu, merciful. The second, Sahishnu, 
uh, tolerant. Sama, equal-minded, is the third. The fourth, drohashunya, drohashunya vrata. They um, accept um, austerity that doesn't actually injure the body. Satyasara, um, their, uh, their, their essence is truthfulness. Vishuddhatma, they're pure. Parahitarata, they're engaged in helping um, everybody, all humanity, all living entities. Kame akshubhita buddhi, they have intelligence that's free from lust. They're danta, they control the senses, akinchana. They don't have a, a concept um, of ownership. They don't have a concept of I or of mine. Mridu, they're mild in their behavior. Shuchi, clean. Paramita bhoji, they're regulated in their habits of eating, sleeping, recreation, and so forth. Just as we see in the sixth canto of, I mean, the sixth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. Um, the 14th, Shantaman, they're peaceful. Aniha, 15, they're not interested in material affairs. Adhutiman, they're patient. Stira, they're steady. Um, Krishnaika Sharana, they're exclusively surrendered to Krishna. Apramatta, not negligent of their duties. Sugambhira, they're very grave. Um, they don't... Um, they don't yak for the sake of yakking. They're, they're not um, uh, chatterboxes. Um, there are some people we know who, um, whatever comes into their mind, they feel compelled to say it. Uh, but the devotees are grave. Um, they keep their own counsel. Um, and when it's appropriate, um, they share what they have. Uh, Vijita, Vijita Shadguna, they overcome the six gunas. Amani, they don't demand any um, honor from other folks. Manada, they're very respectful. Daksha, they're skillful. Whatever they do um, in service to the, uh, to the Lord is, is done uh, with great attention and skill. Avanchika, they um, are free from mm, hypocrisy or the tendency to cheat in their jnanis. They're um, knowledgeable of scripture. <coughs> now, out of these, out of these twenty-six qualities, the um, Swarupa Lakshana, the essential characteristic, um, would be that they're Krishnaika Shada. They're completely surrendered to Krishna. Uh, they depend utterly on Krishna, and all the others. Uh, can be considered uh, marginal. Tatasta lakshan. And so there are things that happen concomitantly with um, um, having uh, surrendered to Krishna. So um, then we also understand uh, from Bhakti Sandarbha and um, from the Bhakti uh, Rasamrita Sindhu, um, as well as Srimad Bhagavatam. Um, and uh, this is very carefully analyzed at the beginning of Srila uh, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's Madhurya Kadambini, that one reason uh, we may consider that 
This is the first offense, sadhu ninda, uh, criticizing the, the sadhus or the satam. Um, is so the, the reason this is the uh, considered the first offense and um, the most dangerous uh, of the offenses is that um, the source of bhakti for the devotees is the bhaktas. We hear uh, from the Srimad Bhagavatam, bhaktya sanjataya bhaktya. Bhakti comes from bhakti. And so ultimately that um, means that we depend on the association of devotees to get bhakti. So um, uh, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur begins his Madhurya Kadambani with a, a fairly elaborate explanation of how independent uh, Krishna is, um, which is utterly completely independent, um, completely free to do anything um, and everything um, he likes, as he likes, when he likes, completely independent. And he makes this argument to establish that bhakti is every bit as independent as Krishna. But then he reveals to his readers just how bhakti works. So Vishwanath explains that um, bhakti takes shelter in the hearts of those devotees who accept her um, from other bhaktas. And when those bhaktas um, become inclined uh, to sharing um, their bhakti with others, when they're madhima bhaktas and are able to discriminate properly how to behave with different people, um, how to behave with the Lord, how to behave with the devotees, how to behave with those who don't have bhakti yet, those who are innocent, and how to behave with those um, who are inimical uh, to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Then, uh, and uh, this is explained also in the 11th canto of the Bhagavatam, um, Prema Maitri Kripa Upeksha. So for the Lord, uh, the devotees um, express their love for the devotees, um, they um, um, are friendly. Um, they uh, forge close relationship, relationships with the devotees. With those who aren't yet bhaktas, uh, but who are actually innocent, which is mostly everybody, um, they're very merciful, they're kind. And um, they're inclined um, to share their bhakti with those who seem receptive. And for those who are inimical, uh, they're uh, upeksha. They neglect them. They don't have they don't have any time for them. Um, they don't uh, in, they don't get into arguments. They don't arrange big debates. It's not a uh, a good idea to have uh, you know your um, brahmachari from your ashram decide that he wants to take on say Daniel Dennett or somebody like that, one of the new atheists, um, in order to defeat him. This is just a waste of time. I've seen some of these debates, not with Dennett, but with, you know, devotees will engage in, in, uh, in debate with some atheistic philosophy professor or something at some university. 
And these are really just kind of wastes of time. They're a little bit of entertainment because the professor has his or her um, audience, which is their students, and they're all going to be cheering for the prof. And, uh, and, and then the devotee is going to have his or her audience, um, maybe uh, consisting largely of maybe some of their disciples who are also going to be cheerleaders. And, um, and they're simply going to play to their audiences. And they're not going to really have any effect on each other. They're not going to really listen to each other um, to see what the other person has to say, except as a way of finding openings to make, uh, to make a point, uh, try to score points actually, rather than making points to score points um, in a debate because um, debate is a kind of, um, there are four kinds of discussion, um, three, three main kinds of discussion, um, Vada, Jalpa, and Vitanda. And Vada discussion is discussion uh, which is uh, it's open, honest discussion meant for trying to ascertain um, the actual truth. Um, jalpa is like debating, uh, where you, you get into a discussion in order to win. Um, and then Vitanda is just arguing for the sake of arguing. Some people just, just like to fight. And so they'll start an argument. Uh, even if you tell them something they believe, uh, they might uh, contradict you just to so that they can have an argument. But we're not interested in, in Jalpa or Vitanda. Uh, we're only interested in, in Vada discussion. Um, and so uh, the devotees will, will um, share their bhakti with receptive audiences. When they find someone who's a little bit open, even uh, they're not necessarily inquiring, but they just seem open, they have enough shuddha, enough faith to just stop and hear a little bit. Then they might share a, a little of their um, faith, a little of their conviction in, in bhakti with that other person. So <clears throat> those devotees, um, Bhakti Devi has taken shelter in their hearts and when they share, uh, when they are kind to someone, Bhakti Devi follows her, uh, follows that, that devotee. Um, this is how Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur explains it in his Madhurya Kadambani. So that the, um, the Madhima Bhaktas who are inclined to sharing their Bhakti with others, they become deputed by the Lord as agents of his Kripa Shakti. Um, so this is how Bhakti Devi works. And so this is how you know, we um, have gotten um, Bhakti in our hearts. We um, as jivas have a potential for Bhakti, but um, we don't have Bhakti in our hearts. And we know that because whatever is in our heart has been covered by so many desires since time immemorial. And there is no, no force more powerful than bhakti. Um, I, I think Jiva Goswami, perhaps in the Bhakti Sandarbha, cites a, um, a text known as the Matara Shruti. So I, I haven't been able to figure out just where this is yet. I assume it's a Vedic text because of the Shruti in the name of the text. 
And the text says that only bhakti has the power to bring us near to Krishna. Only bhakti has the power to show us Krishna. Only bhakti has the power to control or overwhelm Krishna. Therefore, bhakti is the most powerful force of all. And um, I made the case earlier that, um, that bhakti's power to control Krishna begins even, even if it's just to a small extent, um, as Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur points out from our very first day of worshiping the Lord. And in his Bhakti Sandarbha, um, Srila Jiva Goswami um, actually makes the same argument. Although um, in his um, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu commentary, uh, he um, makes it pretty clear that we're talking, we must be talking about Sadhya Bhakti, uh, at least Baba Bhakti, if not Prema Bhakti, which is where this um, uh, one characteristic of Uttama Bhakti becomes. Uh, prominent in the devotee's character, the power to attract and control even Krishna. But in the Bhakti Sandarbha, Jiva Goswami uses uh, a number of verses from the Bhagavatam to make an argument that, that, um, there, that Bhakti has some power to control the Lord, even at the stage of sadhana bhakti. So the Bhagavatam tells us, bhaktiya sanjataya bhaktiya, that um, we get bhakti from bhakti. Bhakti comes from bhakti. So the, inf uh, the implication there is, what we're meant to infer is that we get that bhakti from the bhaktas. And this is, um, this is what we hear um, in the devotees who have faith in bhakti, that they understand, I have bhakti because of you. It's very, it can be a very... Um, humbling and encouraging thing um, to hear that um, from another devotee. Um, but this is how Bhakti Devi works. Um, and it's a little, it may be a little um, difficult um, for us to understand, but we depend utterly um, on the bhaktas for our, um, for our own um, bhakti. So there are there are a number of, of references to um, the importance um, of the place of the bhaktas in, in the lives, uh, you know, of sat in the place of sadhu sangha in the lives um, of, of the devotees. Um, one is in the Brihannaradiya Purana. Um, Bhaktis tu Bhagavad Bhakta Sangena Parijayate Satsanga Prapite Pumbihi Sukritai Purva Sanchitaha. The inclination toward bhakti is awakened by the association with bhaktas of Bhagavan. The jiva obtains, obtains such satsanga through the accumulated effect of bhakti sukriti generated over a long time. So we know that. Um, in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, uh, Srila Rupa Goswami um, uh, suggests nine stages in progressive bhakti, beginning with um, initial shraddha and um, going all the way to prema. 
Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur in a couple of places suggests 14 stages. Um, and so he precedes that initial shraddha, adao shraddha, which um, as I uh, suggested earlier, can mean just enough faith to stop and listen, just enough faith to not um, resist uh, what the devotee has to share. Um, but so he suggests before that, um, the association of devotees. Now in the nine um, angas, or the nine stages suggested by, by Rupa Goswami, Sadhu Sangha is the second. Adao Shraddha Tata Sadhu Sangha Bhajana Kriya. So Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur suggests accidental association with devotees as um, the source of that initial Shraddha, and that the Sadhu Sangha that we see um, as the um, second of the nine Angas of Bhakti is a more kind of systematic, deliberate sadhu sangha actually um, taking shelter of the association of devotees um, and uh, and beginning to accept um, instruction um, from those um, devotees the other sadhu sangha is the source of the kind of agnata sukriti that um, accounts for the yadracha which mm, sometimes can be uh, referred to as uh, like atibhagyena. It's a sort of um, excessive kind of good fortune. Bhagya means good fortune. Ati is a, a, an intensifier. So atibhagya, um, um, which is a way of describing the devotee, can, uh, can mean um, exceedingly fortunate, um, um, inestimably fortunate how, how can we um, you know how can we estimate the good fortune that's required to bring us into the association of devotees uh, we see in Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita Brahmanda Brahmite Kona Pagyavanaji Guru Krishna Prasade Pai Bhakti Latabij that the the jiva after wandering um, from Brahmanda to Brahmanda, throughout the cosmos, from one universe to it, not just from one body to another, but from one universe to another. So how many lifetimes is that being stuck in the material world? More than we could possibly imagine. But after wandering like that, as if aimlessly, um, if one, one who is very fortunate, the jiva who is very fortunate, gets the, by, gets the association um, of the devotees gets bhakti through the association of devotees by the merciful arrangement of the guru and Krishna. I've heard it compared sometimes, I think I heard this from Srila Prabhupada many, many years ago to the um, likelihood of, a, tur of a, a turtle swimming in the ocean, coming up for a breath. And when that turtle comes up for a breath, comes up to the surface of the ocean for a breath, um, her head comes up through a knot hole in a board floating in the middle of the ocean. I mean, how likely is it that there's going to be a board and, and, and even more, 
unlikely would be the fact that there might be a knot hole right there where the turtle's head comes up. So this is um, uh, a very uh, rare uh, kind of occurrence. And we also um, understand that the root cause um, of bhakti is, is sadhu sangha. Uh, we see this in Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita in the 22nd chapter of Madhulila. So the 22nd chapter of the, of the Madhulila is where Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami has um, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu explaining the 60, these 64 angas of Vaiti Sadhana Bhakti that we find in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu to Sanatana Goswami. Um, but before he does that, he talks about uh, Shraddha and he talks about Shadanagati. And so, and he talks about where Bhakti comes from. So he tells Sanatana, Krishna Bhakti Janma Mula Hoi Sadhu Sangha. Krishna prema janme teho puna mukhyaunga. This is the root cause that gives birth to bhakti is sadhu sangha. Even when Krishna prema is born, sadhu sangha remains as most essential. So sadhu sangha is there at the beginning and it's there um, in perfection. <clears throat> even at the stage of perfection, um, even when um, we have attained prema, we find the association of devotees um, as being essential. Sada, the essence. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's the essence um, of our practice. So we get bhakti from the sadhus um, who are inclined to share their bhakti with us. We grow our bhakti in sadhu sangha. And um, in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, where um, the um, Anga of Sadhu Sangha is discussed at the end uh, as one of the five most important, most powerful um, Angas of, of Sadhana Bhakti, Srila Rupa Goswami explains that there are three characteristics that we should seek in the um, uh, in the devotees with whom we associate. Sajati asiye, snigde, and svatovare. So, sajati asiye. Jata has to do with birth, family, kind, that kind of thing. Um, so, what we're looking for is sadhus who share, um, who have a similar faith to ours. We're looking for our group. Um, those who, whose aspirations are very much like ours. Sajati Ashaye. Um, sometimes we hear that described as like-minded. Um, I prefer to use the term like-hearted, which I think is more to the point. Um, like-minded is a familiar phrase, but like-hearted I think is really more to the point because this, because bhakti as we, um, we understand is um, a heart exercise much more than a head exercise. As Guru Maharaj Swami Tripurari Maharaj likes to say, um, that we should use our heads to soften our hearts. So this is really a heart exercise. It's really about purifying the heart um, more than the head. If we purify the heart, then the other things become purified. So sajatiya shaye snigdhe. Um, snigdha means affection. 
So we're looking for association of devotees who share our aspirations and who are affectionately disposed toward us. Um, why would we want it otherwise? Because of their affectionate disposition, they're always going to be inclined to share whatever they have with us. Just as we see Krishna and Balaram sharing their lunches with the cowherd boys when, uh, when they're out in the forest, when they stop um, to, um, to take lunch uh, as they're out herding the uh, cows or the calves, um, as the case may be, depending on their age. So, you know, we've heard Srila Prabhupada, as I, um, as I um, share in, in my book, Oh My Friend, Oh My Friend, um, there are several places where Srila Prabhupada, several instances that we know of where Srila Prabhupada um, would relish telling this pastime of Krishna and the cowherd boys in the forest uh, when they would share their lunches. And sometimes they would grab a boy's lunch bag and play keep away with it until he broke down and cried. Um, often they would steal Krishna's lunch and Krishna would share his lunch with his with his friends, because his mother and father were the king of the the king and queen of the village, his lunches were nice, were especially nice. Sri Prabhupada would explain, he would have uh, puris, uh, kachoris, halava, uh, and all kinds of wonderful sweets. Whereas the other boys might have dal rice and chapatis or something like that. And after at the end, after um, Krishna and his friends would share their lunch with each other. The boy, his friends might take a bite out of something that they have that's particularly nice. And they would say, oh, oh, Krishna, you got to have a taste of this. It's so good. And they would give him the same piece uh, of lunch that they had just taken a bite out of and, and share that with Krishna. And quite often the cowherd boys, the other cowherd boys would end up with Krishna's puris and ladus and kachoris and halava. Uh, and Krishna would end up with their dal rice and chapatis. So <clears throat> that's the nature of affection, always sharing, always doing something for each other. And then uh, svatovare. Uh, svatovara vara means superior. So we're looking for the association of devotees who share our spiritual aspirations, who are affectionately disposed toward us, and who are at least somewhat more advanced than we are, so that they actually have something to share um, with us. Now, we'll also um, find ourselves in the company of other devotees with whom we might have something to share. But the, when we're looking for sadhu sangha, we're especially looking for um, devotees who are more advanced so that they can pull us along um, on the path um, of bhakti. So sadhu sangha, when it comes to um, making progress in bhakti, sadhu sangha is everything. I remember um, many decades ago when I was a new devotee, hearing that Srila Rupa Goswami said um, association is, 80, is 85 percent of what is, uh, accounts for our spiritual progress. Now, I don't know if that's um, a quantity that, um, that Srila Rupa Goswami has, has given, um, because it may be even greater than that. Um, it could be 
um, it, well, it's certainly um, the most um, important factor in spiritual progress, uh, sadhu sangha. So if we are indebted to the sadhus for, um, for the bhakti that we have, if, if, if our immeasurably good fortune is due to the association of devotees, then we can imagine how um, dangerous it is uh, to our spiritual progress to abuse the devotees. In his Bhakti Sandarbha, when he's discussing Sadhu Ninda, um, Srila Jiva Goswami says, we don't even need to consider physically harming the devotees. <clears throat> I mean, that's just off the table. Let's not, I mean, you know, how could we, how could we possibly discuss um, behaving um, in a physically abusive way to devotees? But if we look up Nind, the root for Ninda, in, in, in Monier Williams' uh, Sanskrit-English Dictionary, we find that it includes also ma just making fun of devotees. Now, it's one thing for devotees to make fun of their friends in a lighthearted way. Uh, we do that. We tease each other. When Prabhupada heard some of the nicknames that um, devotees had for each other, he kind of smiled, chuckled a little bit, and he said, yes, when I was young, we also had names for each other. So, <clears throat> you know, we might tease each other out of affection. But to actually criticize uh, with some enmity um, in the background, to actually criticize those who are responsible for our bhakti, those who carry um, bhakti, who carry the holy name of Krishna in their hearts, to criticize those devotees, to ridicule them, uh, to blaspheme them, to even to criticize them, you know, in, in a way that uh, may not um, completely uh, uh, negate uh, their having any value at all as persons, which would be what blasphemy is. Um, any kind of criticism of the devotee can really undo um, the growth of our bhakti creeper, stunt it. Um, and um, and cause it actually to maybe to die back to some extent. And we see, even in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, we see that um, committing offenses, if we commit, especially against devotees, may um, cause us um, to lose our bhava or um, for our bhava to be diminished or degraded. Um, and so um, we, we see in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, just in one place, just discussion of this, it's possible that if you commit a grave offense that you, you, know, that you're, you can lose your bhava, you can uh, fall down from, from the stage of bhava, or even a, on a lesser offense, um, our, our bhava may be diminished, it may be degraded. So someone with dasya um, bhakti uh, may find themselves um, um, in shanta bhakti. Now there aren't very many, there aren't any discussions of where that might happen, 
However, we see in the third canto, in the case of Jaya and Vijaya, um, 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 encountering the, uh, 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 the four uh, Kumars, the Chatursanas, the four Sanas, um, these four sages who happened, although they were in Shantarati, they happened to, um, well, they were, uh, they're actually uh, Brahman realized. Um, um, th they were able to appreciate the, uh, the wonderfulness, I guess you might say, um, um, uh, of the absolute Brahman. But they had no experience of, of uh, they had no experience of the Paramatma form of the Lord, much less of, of Bhagavan. And so by the Lord's arrangement, they happened to come to Vaikuntha Loka. And when they got to the seventh gate um, of the Vaikuntha planet, uh, they met these two gatekeepers, Jaya and Vijaya, who barred them, who stopped them from entering. And that raised their um, ire, that made them angry. Uh, and they cursed um, these two gatekeepers. Now, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur talks about uh, a couple of things um, in, in regard to this that, that aren't um, mentioned overtly in the, texts of, the text of the Bhagavatam itself. And uh, one thing, one question he raises is, I mean, how is this possible? And so we see at one point in this Leela, in the 16th chapter uh, of the third canto, the Lord is explained, because he's, he's feeling the Kumara's concern that, oh, if these two gatekeepers, because of our curse, have to go to the material world, well, we also offended them. What might our fate be? So the Lord assures them, don't worry. This is all a setup. You came here by my arrangement. And they stopped you by my arrangement. And you cursed them. This is all my arrangement. And this is to satisfy their desire, to satisfy all of my desires. They understand that I also have a chivalrous spirit, that I also like, um, I, I like to scrap a little bit every once in a while. But there's, there's no um, question of getting into a fight in Vaikuntha Loka because everybody uh, worships me with such um, reverential awe that it's, it's inconceivable that, that there might be some disagreement with me. So this has to happen in the material world. And because nobody falls from the spiritual world to the material world, I had to make this special arrangement. So because they saw that I had this chivalrous desire and they wanted to um, satisfy me in this way, I wanted to satisfy them by making this arrangement so that they could set aside a little time to engage in this chivalrous activity with me. So that's one thing. Another thing, um, that Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur explains in his commentaries on these verses in that um, 16th chapter uh, of the third canto is that the, because they committed an offense against these Vaikuntha Vasis, these pure devotees of the Lord, Jaya and Vijaya, um, then although the uh, Chattusana, the four Kumaras, might have had the opportunity for Dasya Bhakti, 
they had to settle for Shantabhakti because of that offense. So this is um, a very, very um, dangerous thing um, to commit offenses against devotees, that even the impossible might happen. And so Vishwanath says, why does this come up? Why is this happening? Because if nobody falls from Vaikuntha, but here we see that these two um, servants of the Lord um, did fall from Vaikuntha because of their misbehavior with these four sages. Um, why would this come up? Um, and he says, maybe uh, the Lord is presenting this as a warning that even though this doesn't happen, we shouldn't be so complacent as to think that it's absolutely impossible. Even though when we see uh, the one place in the Bhagavatam where the possibility of falling from the spiritual sky comes up, and that's at the very beginning of the seventh canto, in the first chapter of the seventh canto, um, the, the, the Lord uh, Narada Muni is describing um, how even thinking of the Lord with enmity can sometimes be a more powerful way of, think, of thinking of the Lord um, than with love. And he gives some examples. Uh, and the examples include Hiranyaksha, Hiranyakashipu. And then, and then he says, and by the way, these cousins of yours, Shishupal, Dantavakra, these two fellows, they used to live in Vaikuntha as personal associates of the Lord. And um, King Yudhishthir kind of does like a triple take. It's like, oh, what? Um, and he objects. He says, I, I can't believe that. It's got to be, this has got to be impossible because the residents of Vaikuntha Loka, their bodies are constituted of spiritual substance and there's no influence of the material energy there. So it's, how is it possible? So this is um, in the seventh canto, this is Narada Muni setting the hearers of the Bhagavatam up um, for uh, uh, Hiranyakashipu's encounter with Lord Nursingadev. So just as we might think, oh, it's impossible to fall down from the stage of Pava, because that's the early stage, it's like the budding stage or the first light stage of prema. And it's so advanced, it can happen. As we see with Jadabharat in the fifth canto of the Bhagavatam. And we shouldn't be so comfortable if we've made a little bit of spiritual advancement that we think we can just do anything and everything and not encounter difficulties in our progressive path um, of bhakti our path from shraddha to prema. It could possibly happen. It doesn't, but watch out, be very careful. So this is the power um, of sadhu ninda, that it can degrade um, even actual rati, even actual bhava, um, or, or interrupt it as we see in the case of, 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 of uh, Bharata. Um, although we, we, we know that even though he had to take birth of a, as a deer because of his attachment um, to the fawn that he rescued, um, still, what did that deer do? The deer always sought out the association of sadhus and would hear Harikata as much as possible. And then the next birth was Jadabharat, 
um, the great um, Abhidhuta sage. Didn't seem like a very bright person, um, didn't have much, didn't have anything to say at all um, until uh, King Rahugana asked him some relevant questions. And then we saw where Jadabharat was actually at, and he was not dull at all. Um, he was actually a, a great, uh, great sadhu. So um, all these considerations can help us understand how um, not properly respecting the sadhus or the Vaishnavas, um, especially those who are inclined to share the holy name uh, with others, those who are inclined to share their bhakti with others, how um, criticizing them, much less, I mean, we, we, as Jiva Goswami says, we don't even want to go there when it comes to you know, like physically assaulting them. We don't, we can't think, we can't talk about that. It's just crazy. But even just criticizing them um, can actually uh, mess up um, our, uh, our, our, the growth of our bhakti creeper. This is referred to as the mad elephant offense. If we let um, an enraged bull elephant loose in a garden full of tender creepers, then the garden can be, might be, easily be destroyed. Even um, a forest uh, might be destroyed uh, by a raging bull elephant. So, um, this is um, this illustrates the the danger of, of sadhu ninda, which is the first. I, I often said, I have said, this is the first offense for a reason, um, because it's the first thing we always need to be watching out for. Okay, I'll um, stop here and see if there um, uh, are any questions or if there's any discussion um, uh, on this point. And I think that uh, the devotees are should be able, you should be able to unmute yourselves if you have um, something to share. Oh, and oh, maybe I need to un unmute the original audio. Now everyone is able to to unmute if they want. Okay. Okay. So um, so um, then um, I thank you all um, for engaging me like this. I owe special thanks to Padmanabha Maharaj who continues to. Oh, wait a minute. Indra and Saki have a question. Uh, my dear uh, brother and sister and um, uh, my shelter for a couple of years, my uh, complete shelter. Can I explain why the four Kumaras are, oh, in the um, Radhe Kastava song? Oh, I, wow, you caught me short. Um, I haven't been singing that Radhika Stava for a while, so I don't have um, the context 
But the four Kumaras are extremely important. Um, they're, they're very important um, devotees. So um, I, I don't have a better answer for that um, off the top of my head. Um, but um, it's something for the, it, this is something that happens almost every time I give class. I end up with homework. So this will be my homework, my tarea from, um, from today's class. Um, I will take a look at the Radhika Stava and um, see if I can come up with an answer and maybe consult um, with some sadhus. Um, find the Sangha of, of superior sadhus, not a hard thing for someone like me to find. Um, and uh, perhaps have a better answer next week. Oh, yes. And you all can help with the homework as well. Um, that'll give us something to discuss um, uh, next week when our main topic will be Gururavagya, um, neglecting um, the, uh, the guru. Uh, any, if there's nothing else, then we can adjourn for, the, um, for today. And I'll see you back here next Friday, God willing. Maharaj? Yes, sir. <clears throat> Just to, to recite that verse, it's the last verse of the Radhika Stava. It's Karunam Kurumai Karunabharite Sanaka Sanatana Varnita Charite. And the translation? Uh, kind of off the top of my head, something like you are very merciful and the four Kumaras are singing your glories, maybe something like that. Oh, so. Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting for devotees in Shanta Rati um, to be singing, even them, even they are singing the glories of Srimati Radharani. How wonderful um, she is. Um, everyone's shelter. Bhakti Devi herself. Um, but we will, uh, we may have something more on that next week. Uh, in the meantime, um, I will take my leave and I thank you all um, for your company and, and for engaging me like this. And especially to uh, Indra and Saki, um, who engaged me in so much service and took such nice care of me for a year and a half, two years, however long. It was quite a long time. Um, and uh, I'm very, uh, very grateful to them for that. Thank you all. Hare Krishna. Sri Bhakti Abhayashram Maharaj Ki Jai. Bye. Hare Krishna.